Sometimes we'll take a, a phrase, sometimes we'll take a word, and uh, there's just a lot, of, just so much that he's, so much there. And, um, and so what, what we're doing is we're, we, you have that email to you each day, and then um, there's a prayer at the bottom. We're basically just, we're praying that prayer for ourselves and for our church. So there's a personal prayer aspect and a corporate prayer aspect each day. Um, the devotion for each day is also posted on the homepage of our website. Um, and also, if, uh, if, you are not, if you don't have computer access as much as you would like it, enough to be able to, uh, to do this every day, we have um, hard copies printed out uh, week to week that are available at the table on the way out. Um, so we just want to, we're hoping to just save uh, some money because the book is uh, public domain. And so rather than spend money on books, uh, you get a, a reminder each day and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and I would love to hear... Um, the different things that you're learning, because it, it's, it's cool because I find myself very much drawn to maybe one part of the devotion that really just hits home, but then you talk to somebody else, and they're like, they'll talk about something I just completely read right over, and so um, if you're sitting around and you're like, you need an excuse to email somebody, uh, put down some of those thoughts and send them to me. I'd love to hear how your month is going and, and stuff like that. This is not one of those 30 days where we're like, don't talk to anybody till it's over, because we're not really trying to arrive at a conclusion. So um, you can talk about it. You have permission. So um, tonight we're going to, I'm not going to talk about John 15. I'm going to talk about something that is uh, a little bit similar. Um, John 15 talks about I'm the vine, you're the branches. talks about producing fruit and, and all this kind of stuff. And we're going to kind of have a similar um, idea, keeping the theme of agriculture and, uh, and the words of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 43. And this, for me, is one of the, one of the first passages that, that um, the Lord used um, to really get a, a hold of me um, when we were first starting to do the ring uh, years ago. And so it's always been something that I've come back to um, from time to time, and it just has a very special place. Um, but there's a lot here to learn, and um, so let's look at it. Luke 6, starting in 43. It says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his, his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Um, some translations, instead of abundance, it says overflow. And some of you have an old beat-up CD in your CD collection called Overflow. And hopefully, musically, you have matured since then. Um, but a long time ago when... Uh, we, we did a recording with the band that played at the ring, and um, we did it because we were going to work at Centrifuge Camp, 
And that was, we called it overflow because of this verse, because this played such a big role in, uh, in our development at that time spiritually and, and wanting um, what we do corporately through song to just be an overflow of, of our hearts, that, that that is just, it's just spillover from all that God is doing in between the worship services and stuff. And so most of the time, um, people are drawn to the last part of that verse, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I want us to kind of walk through the stuff that comes before that too. And, and basically just to point out the obvious, um, which I usually do, and, um, and, and just maybe see what the implications are for us uh, tonight. Look back at verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Okay? Now, let me just point out um, something really, really obvious that, that we see here. I, I, I think there are two things in this passage that are for us tonight. Okay? The first one that we see is, is consistency. All right? Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. It doesn't get any more simple than that, right? Um, the consistency that is there, um, it, it, it's, it says something about two deals when it comes to, to this. One, we see um, consistency with the type of, of fruit that's there. Like it says... Um, Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grape, grapes picked from a bramble bush. Okay, so you don't like walk out to a tree and pick potatoes off of it because potatoes don't grow on trees. You don't go and dig up oranges because oranges don't grow in the ground. I mean, there's, there's this, this obvious that the fruit on a tree tells us the type that it is. And there's a consistency there. So if there's a tree... It's, there are certain things that it could produce, and there are certain things that it will not produce. And the, what, the way that you know is you walk up to it, and there are people that can walk up to a tree, and they can say, that's an orange tree. I'm not one of them. I say, that tree has leaves. And that's about as truthful of a statement as I can make. Um, some people can, they can, they can just get it down to, like, what kind. I had no idea that there were so many kinds of oranges until, uh, if you ever walk through, like, at a, a nursery, and there's, like, all these trees, and you're like, um... Hey, I want an orange tree, and there's like 85 different varieties there, you know, and some are bitter, and some are super sweet, and some don't have seeds, and some, you know, bloom this time of the year, and some need this much sunlight, and some of them will get to be like 80 feet wide, apparently, and some of them are like three feet wide, so it depends on where you're going to plant it. There's just so much to it, um, but that but the, you can, there's consistency there when it comes to the type of tree. There's also um, consistency when it comes to the health of the tree, all right? If, if, if the tree is bad, then the fruit it's going to produce is going to be bad. Okay, so you don't, you're not going to have some kind of a, a fungus or a, a diseased uh, tree that then, but is producing the most amazing oranges ever. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and all that seems really, really obvious, right? I mean, that's exactly what it says, and, and it means exactly what it means. That there should be consistency in our lives, because Jesus ultimately lands in the heart at the end of the verse, at the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there should be a consistency between the inside and the outside. And that leads to the second observation that we have to point out, is that there are external indicators of internal condition. So you can walk up to 
um, to a tree or whatever, and you can examine the fruit on the tree, and that'll tell you something about what's going on inside it, in the, in the trunk. You, that's how you know if there's a problem. That what's on the outside indicates what's going on on the inside. That the things on the outside that you can see indicate what's going on on the inside of, of the tree that you maybe can't see. So you might not know that, that your lemon tree is not getting enough water because you can't necessarily, like you don't know what's going on inside in the root system and you don't know it's being deprived of water, but you look at the fruit and by the fruit you can trace it back to the internal condition. So the two things going on, there, there should be consistency between the, the external and the internal. But the indicator of what's going on, on the inside is what's going on on the outside. Now this is, is it's interesting to me, and I don't really know why, because it's so incredibly simple and so incredibly obvious. And so I really, uh, this, years ago, this fascinated me, and it fascinated me all the way into this week and into today. Think about why, why is this so significant? And I go back to the week before last, which was the first Sunday of 2009, and um, the passage that we talked about that night was um, about being holy because he is holy. So it, it says preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that is to come to you in Christ Jesus. And we talked about uh, misplaced hope. Um, always fails, but hope rightly placed, it never does. It never, never fails. We talked about preparing our minds and what that means. And, um, and we just kind of moved through that verse and we landed in this place. And, and you could just really just sense the, the room was like, I, I really want to be holy in all that I do. I, I, I really, I want that. But it seems like just as soon as you get in that place where you are just 100% in, passionately, like that's what I want. You get really insecure about, okay, well, all right, so what do I do first? And not really knowing where to start. And maybe being a little bit overwhelmed with, with the task at, at hand. And, and I feel like that night, and you may remember, I feel like that night there were, there were some really, really good breakthroughs happening here. And, and there, there was just something just different. And I, I really, I can't put my finger on it necessarily. Um, but if you're anything like me, you get discouraged really easily when it's not all like laid out really clearly, or maybe when it's not as maybe not, not as, as easy as you had hoped. Maybe um, maybe it doesn't make as much sense when reality comes down. You know, um, maybe you're just still kind of overwhelmed. You're like, you know, what? that's really what I want, and it totally is what I want. I've been asking God just to show me like where to start. And I'm just like, what's, just give me one thing at a time. Give me what I can handle. And I, I don't feel like I really even understand still what's going on. When Jesus is talking here and he talks about good fruit and bad fruit and you don't look for, for figs in a place where they don't grow. And 40, first, look at verse 45 again. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think that this is in the Bible um, for a number of reasons. And maybe, maybe the one for us tonight to really gravitate toward uh, 
is because this is an amazing place to start. Jesus says there are external conditions that tell us what's going on on the inside. And so maybe for you, for me, for us, the starting point is to just look at our lives. Now Jesus, he, he goes directly to words, but there are other external things that indicate something else that's going on on the inside. Um, you know, our, our actions really, really tell us a lot. And I was trying to think of, of examples, you know. And you could go toward the, like, the normal examples, like all the, all the things that we're told, you know, uh, that are kind of on the, on the unofficial list of Christian behavior that at some point was drafted in some, you know, council of somewhere and uh, it kind of just became a part of what goes on. You know, don't drink, cuss, smoke, dip, um, date people who aren't Christians, um, don't go to Disney World, uh, you know, whatever. Um, then there's just all these things, like, these are the don't, this is the don't do list, and this is the things that you do. And so some of them are just the opposite, and then, you know, whatever. Um, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really think that, that that's what this is, is talking about. And maybe it's just, maybe tonight, that's just not the point. And maybe the reason I say no is to keep us from, like, going to those, those things. So I, I kind of started to just to really think about what are, some, what are some actions that would fall into that category. This is an external indication of an internal reality. Like that phrase kept coming back to my mind. And I, I remember a, a sermon that I heard by Matt Chandler, and he was, uh, he was talking about men and how men um, are, are designed by God to be, to be builders, to produce things. Not, and I don't mean necessarily like construction, but just like, like it's in our design to uh, just to, to do stuff, to piddle, to want to make stuff. And that's why, like I have this thing at my house, and it's the most lame thing you've ever seen, unless you know the story. And then it might be more lame or less lame. Um, but it's like this weird looking like gun thing. And I remember this vividly. I was in a, like a children's church Wednesday night thing. And we had this uh, missionary that came because, like, every three weeks we had a missionary come. And they always did the same thing. They showed slides because that's how old I am. And uh, they showed slides, and then they always brought us a coin from their country where they were from. And so I had this collection of coins from all over the world that uh, was very valuable, I'm sure. And, um, but in one of the slides, there was this, uh, the kids in this country had made, it was a gun slash slingshot. And so it would do exactly what a slingshot would do, but it was in a gun form somehow. And I was fascinated by this because we all had slingshots, but nobody in my neighborhood had a gun slingshot. And so um, one day, I don't, I don't really know what brought this on, but I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade. I just went into my dad's shop area and decided to construct one on my own. And I don't know where my parents were or why I was working with a saw, uh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> And anyway, so like I, I started working on it. I had this envision in my head, and I'm like, I'm taking like pieces of wood, and I'm cutting them all up, things I shouldn't have been touching or whatever. Anyway, made this like gun thing. And then uh, like I, I couldn't figure out how to make the slingshot mechanism work, and I had done this. And I worked on it for like a week, like sneaking away, you know, to work on it. And I kept hiding it, and then I think I forgot about it or something. I got frustrated, and then my dad found it a couple years later, and he's like, what is this? And it's like this all 
It's pathetic. I'm, I'm going to bring it next time because uh, I still have it. And, um, but, but the thing is, I mean, like, I'm in the fourth or fifth grade, and I'm like, I need to make that. And that's like, and what Matt Chandler was saying, he's like, that's, that's a dude. Like, that's what happens is we want to, that's why boys, little boys like to play with blocks. And they like to, they like Lincoln Logs and Legos and stuff like that. Like, they want to, they want to build something. They, like, we want something to exist that was not there an hour ago, you know. And, and that's why, like, you know, we'll, like, we want to have a garden for some reason. Because you're like, that's perfectly good dirt just sitting there not being harvested. And so, like, people will plant gardens or they'll work on their house or they'll, break something just so they can fix it, you know, or we take things apart and put it back together. And so he was, you know, going through and he was talking about that just being like a normal thing. And then he made this statement. It was amazing. He said, he said, you show me a lazy man and I'll show you a man that has complete and utter inner turmoil in his life. He said, if, you, if, if, you, if there's a guy who lays, around, lays on the couch all the time and watches football games from like eight years ago and never gets off the couch, he said, there's something going on on the inside. And I don't think he was saying that we should all be like building and constantly like just doing, 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 because we need to rest, we need to chill, we need to, you know, whatever. But I understand what he was saying because I've been in that place so many times that when there's something just gut-wrenching going on, and you're not letting people in, and you're not working on it, and you're not praying toward it, and you're not wrestling with it, you just, you're just embracing it, basically, and just accepting it, or you're pouting or whatever, that's what happens, is you end up just being completely lazy and completely just not wanting to do anything. And you go into this, like, just sad time. See, that's an external indication that there's an internal problem Same thing can be said with, um, I think, when, when there's a shift of focus. When you see someone who's like completely, um, completely passionate about something, and then they just kind of give up on it. That's always weird to me. When someone is, is, is all about Jesus, I'm talking like completely sold out, whatever, and then something happens and things just kind of shift. Sometimes maybe they, they start dating somebody and all of a sudden their focus um, then goes to that person, you know? Or maybe someone is really passionate, but then they get this promotion at work, they start making a little more money, have a little bit more power, and then something weird happens. Someone, like a, you take a married couple that's just all about improving their marriage, and then something happens, and, and it, it just that, I don't know. When, when someone is focused on the good stuff, and all of a sudden that focus changes, that's an external indication that something is wrong on the inside. I think um, well, sometimes our behavior changes. I had this friend who was just hilarious. And uh, he was just constantly funny, constantly cracking people up. Just like, like if you could hang out with Chris Farley, it would be like this dude. And um, he got in this relationship, and he went by a nickname. And all of a sudden, we had to start calling him by his real name. And, and he stopped being funny, and he stopped hanging out, and he got really serious, and it was weird. That was external signs that something was not right on the inside. And so, I, so, I mean, our actions, while that doesn't determine who we are, sometimes it reflects something that's going on, on the inside that, that needs to be paid attention to. 
If there's a tree not getting enough water or not getting enough sunlight and the fruit that it's producing is dying and stuff, and you do something. Like you don't just sit there and ignore those signs. Now what Jesus is talking about, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we could spend a lot of time talking about that. And the, um, the English Standard Version is the translation that, that I, of the Bible that I use, and they just came up with a study Bible not too long ago. And on that verse, um, it doesn't say much, but it basically it just says this. It says, um, oftentimes an indicator of what's going on in somebody's heart is reflected in their, in their like, off-the-cuff speech because they haven't had time to really reflect. I was like, man, how many times, how many times have I... You know, bitten somebody's head off, taken a cut on somebody, made fun of them, um, made fun of something else, just done like whatever. It had nothing to do, it had nothing to do with that. It's because I had issues on the inside. It was out of jealousy or because my ego was taking a, a strike or, I mean, you just, you name it, there's all kind of problems on the inside of me, but it would show up in the way that I would react and I would say the wrong thing. Sometimes we we got to pay attention to that because sometimes we just say stupid stuff. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we just are just thoughtless. But sometimes it's coming from a, a, a place that God wants to do some healing or some restoring. And I know, like, I mean, not being a married guy, I guess I can say this uh, and not be a hypocrite about it, but um, there are times when husbands and wives, like, pick on each other in public, and there are times when it goes too far. So sometimes that's an in, that maybe isn't an indicator that there are problems. Maybe it's just an indicator that they are so comfortable with each other and with their relationship and with other people that they can drive on each other and, and it, everybody kind of laughy, laughy, jokey, jokey, whatever. But that's not always the case. And I've been there when husbands have belittled their wives in front of people and it gets awkward. I've been there when wives have belittle their husbands when their husband's not around and it gets weird. And we got to be grown-ups enough to know the difference between when that's just maybe a thoughtless comment that shouldn't have been made and it was in bad taste and when that's really indicating that there's something else going on. Maybe not even within the marriage. Maybe a husband cuts on his wife in, in front of people and makes fun of her or whatever. And it has nothing to do with their marriage. It has everything to do with him. The same thing can be said for, I mean, sense of humor that we, you know, there are times when jokes are made that just shouldn't be made. And sometimes it's like, ah, I cannot believe I said that. That was so stupid. And sometimes it's coming from a heart that is more concerned about making people laugh and being the funny guy because you're insecure and you're willing to just say something off color or reference something you shouldn't reference or whatever because, because you, you pridefully want to be funny and to be accepted into whatever. Now, we can go through examples, and I mean, I could, and I'm not at all, like, pointing fingers. Like, I say, I'm, I'm there. There are plenty of times when I say things I shouldn't say that, that's just innocent. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that. I shouldn't, whatever. And there are plenty of times when I say things, and it's, coming, it's indicating that there's something wrong on the inside of me. And so there should be consistency the fruit of our lives should be consistent with the good 
heart that Jesus has given us, they should line up. And when they don't line up, we, gotta, we, we have to respond to that. And so I just, I want, us to, I just want to give two, two applications to this that I think would be relevant for us. One is corporate and one is very personal. In a corporate sense, we could apply this, and it could go one of two ways. We could do this in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way. An unhealthy way um, would be uh, for us to basically judge everything that, that comes out of somebody's mouth. You know? For someone to say, uh, it's like, oh, man, I, I, feel, I feel so ugly today. And for, as a hearer, to be like, well, obviously, I'll, I'll use a he, because why not? Obviously, he, um, feeling ugly today, um, does not know who he is in Christ, and is not secure in what Jesus did on the cross, and is um, complete, may not even know Jesus at all, because if he did, he would not say that he feels ugly today, because he would know that his worth is not determined on his physical beauty and presence. And we could go that route. That would be the wrong way to apply what Jesus is saying. That every time someone makes a comment, thank you, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> that every time someone says something, we're like automatically using it to judge them and size them up and assess where they are with Jesus. That would be the, the wrong way to apply this. And in fact, if you want to know why that's the wrong way to apply this, if you look right above um, the whole passage is about judging others and removing the plank from your own eye before the speck of sawdust from your brother's eye. And so Jesus has been talking to them about judgment already. And so the wrong application would be for us to get in this mode of everything everybody says must be then interpreted. Because usually when we try to interpret things, we go the wrong direction, don't we? Maybe the dude just felt ugly today. And sometimes we feel ugly. Just throw that out there. The right way to apply it would be this. Maybe, maybe we should do a little bit better job of listening to each other. Not listening to judge and assess and all that kind of stuff. Maybe corporately, maybe we should listen to what's going on a little bit. And not only listen, but respond in the right way. Because one of the things about human nature is we don't, we don't hurt alone very long. We may hurt alone for a little bit, but then we, we start to like maybe drop some hints here and there, which is dumb, but we do it. Throw some hints out there, then maybe the hints become prayer requests, but we still like passively, aggressively like mask them greatly, you know. But sometimes those, those external things really are indicating something that we really need to be paying attention to. And as far as how it applies to one another. That when we watch people's focus shift to the wrong things, that needs to red flag us a little bit. Not in a judgmental way, but like, I care about you enough to notice that this is going on. And when the red flags happen, we begin by praying and saying, okay, God, is there something to this? Is it... Should I, is this something I should be responding to or is this something that was just kind of, you know, said randomly and whatever? Or do I need to maybe, you know, whatever. 
to not only listen to what we say and to, to pay attention to each other, but to respond prayerfully and with action, that would be the right way to apply this. Because the thing about the, the plank in our eye is we remove that, but then we go to our brother and help them address their problem too. And so in a month where we're, like, we're praying individually and we're praying corporately, and as community groups get rolling back again and, and we're, we're, we want to push our church forward in a healthy direction, this is an important part about community. That we pay attention to each other's lives and that we respond prayerfully and obediently, not judgmentally. So that would be a corporate application. Here's, here's the, the personal one. Here's the, and this, again, could go two ways. The wrong way to apply this in a personal sense would be to begin to fake every external thing that you possibly can. That if there's a real problem, see, here's the deal with a tree. If there's an internal problem with a tree, it can't, like, fake its way and produce these beautiful, lovely, amazing oranges. It it can't do it. It can't fake it. But as people, especially as church people, quote-unquote, we can fake it. We know, we know the demeanor to carry. We know the words to use. We know how to like full-on, hands-in-the-air worship if we want to. We can, we can fake our way through life for a little while. And eventually, it, it wears you out. And all this pain and hurt is built up, and it's bad news. So you could apply this in the wrong way. I don't guess that would really be an application. You could respond the wrong way by then faking everything external and acting like things are fine and all that kind of stuff. But the right way, the healthy way to respond to this in a personal sense is to use this to figure out where to start in your pursuit of holiness. To just to ask the Lord to show you what externally is indicating something internal that needs addressing. And truthfully, most of us know those things. But where's the fruit, you know? Because your heart, your heart is good. Your heart was redeemed by Jesus. It is new and he has given it to you. He has cleaned it, and it is, you are good to go. And sometimes we just have those issues that need to be addressed, and there is an inconsistency in the fruit our lives are producing and the condition of our hearts on the inside. And so that would be a healthy way for us to apply it. There are other applications, but that's the one I think that connects to the, where we've been lately. If you want to pursue holiness... Maybe this is a starting point that you've been looking for. And you might look at your life and you might see, you know, 28 things externally that need to change. And maybe that overwhelms you. Well, guess what? God will narrow that down. But I think the, the, the important starting place is that we're like, look, I, I want there to be consistency in my life. I want the grace and the mercy and the healing and the power of the vine to flow into me as a branch. And I want the fruit that my life produces to be an indication of the goodness of God. 
And I'm tired of my life not reflecting that. I'm tired of inconsistency. And if you're in that place, that's, that's the heart God can use. Humility, passion, obedience. I mean, it's all those like fundamentals that it comes down to. And I don't know what this has to do with your life. I only know where it fits into mine. And so now the ball is in your court or it's in my court that we respond to these things. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray in just a second and the band's going to come up and we're going to do some more songs and give you a chance to maybe process this a little bit. And I, I know how this works um, because... Uh, it's so easy that once we're done here, it's easy to kind of put, put all that, whatever God was doing, and put it in a compartment. So that's one reason why we kind of put the, the sermon in the, more the middle of the service instead of like the end where we just do like an invitation song and go home. Because we want, we want to not run out, of, out the door too quickly. And so if you want to stand and sing, you can stand and sing. If you want to just sit there and pray, you can do that. If you want to read the words on the screen, if you, it does not matter. Whatever you need to do, then do it. But we're going to be responsible with this time that we have because I really believe that, um, that this stuff is important. I don't think that it, these are random times together. I think God orchestrates everything and brings everything together. And so I'm going to pray for us. And uh, then we'll kind of move ahead and we'll be done just a little bit. Let's pray. Father, it'd be real easy for us to, um, to jump too soon into the things that, um, that we think are wrong. God, we, do, we just need you to give us some direction. God, if, if any of us are here tonight and are not in a place where we hate inconsistency, God, we need you to get us there. And God, for those who are already in that place, I pray that, that you show us where to begin. God, not in a way that um, where we just try to modify our behavior. God, help us to trace things back to where they're really coming from. Help us to not just make a bunch of new rules tonight of, okay, well, I'm never going to do this again and never going to do this again. God, help us tonight, God, not to deal with the fruit, but to deal with what's going on on the inside on where that's coming from. whether it's pride or arrogance or lack of understanding of who we are in you. God, it could be, there's just no, an endless number of things it could be. Help us to deal with that stuff tonight. If there needs to be repentance, I pray you give us the courage to do that. If, if we need to confess things, then let's, let's do that. If 
we need to apologize to someone, I pray that we do that. God, we just, we just don't want to settle for inconsistency because the fruit of our lives is too important. Because that fruit is supposed to show everybody the goodness of the vine. God, we just ask that you guide us. Just direct this time.